Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Week 2 Pick'em Podcast, brought to you by Pepsi, Indeed, and Bet Online. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, Week 2 is here. We're older and wiser now. Yes, definitely wiser. Um, I took it to heart last week. I was 1-4 and four with our picks for the games we preview. I was 0-1 in my locks of the week. I felt like I really did a deeper dive. I ran That's my models, and I'm feeling... Five. I'm feeling uh, good about these picks. Yeah, I I came in at, at a cool 500, two and three in our picks, one and zero in my lock. Sounds about right. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Week two, we got a we got a we got a fun slate of games here. Um, but before we get into the NFL, and uh, we're we're joined later in the program by former ESPN Sports Center anchor Bram Weinstein. He's now the voice of the Washington professional football team, so we'll we'll get his thoughts on their upcoming game versus Arizona, and and he'll actually join us for the lock of the week segment. But Tyler, we got to talk about this the state of the NBA after last night. Um, the Los Angeles Clippers go down in Game Seven to the Nuggets again, blow another big lead, and. Uh, the Lakers, it kind of seems like they have uh, red carpet treatment here to the finals. Yeah, I think I saw maybe Action Network put out their minus 200 to win the title right now, which is wild. Um, and this is what we talked about the Clippers. We didn't think they were going to lose this series, but it's what we've talked about where they haven't 
they don't like come to play every game or they go up and like ease and let Denver come back. I mean, every, these last three games, they blew double digit leads in every game. I saw this stat in game five, the Nuggets are down 13 with a minute 25 left in the third quarter. Their win probability of the series was 0.2% at that point. Game six, they're down 19 in the th- at the beginning of the third quarter, 0.4%. Uh, like the Clippers had their chances to win this series. They they let the Nuggets hang around, hang around, hang around, and at some point, like <laughs> you're gonna have to show up and actually finish it. They weren't able to do that. Um, it's an embarrassing, embarrassing loss for them. This is Doc Rivers' third time losing a series up three one. No one's done that twice as a coach. He's done it three times. Tough look for him, and you have to think. He might he might get fired. I feel like there's going to be some fall guy from this, whether that be them trading Paul George or Doc Rivers losing his job. Like I feel like something has to change, especially knowing Balmer. Like he must be freaking out. Yeah, the crazy part is that this team goes through the regular season right. They were they were my pick before the season. They're my pick before the bubble, and until about mm, I think I hopped off it come game five, I believe. Uh, And I just kept seeing the Lakers. They just played more consistently in the fact that LeBron and AD were two of the best three guys left. Now Kawhi's out of the picture. Um, It it becomes really interesting, right? Because I think everyone penciled in this all-LA Western Conference Finals. And now the the Clippers get knocked off, and it's like, oh, shit. We we have these guys for two years. Um, So now all the year after this. Right, right. Two years overall. Now one more year. Um, so all the pressure in the world is on them come next season. If they have any kind of disagreement, we know how fickle these kind of stars are to to bounce around from team to team. Uh, so it, it becomes an extremely interesting social experiment as we look into year two. Paul George has another just absolutely dreadful game. Um, he got dragged on the internet. This entire Clippers team, uh, last night was a special evening on NBA Twitter because you kind of saw how collectively everyone was rooting, probably for the Clippers. They wanted the all-LA all, all LA matchup, but everyone was ready to kind of take the gloves off and get their cheap shots in on this Clippers team because they've been more cocky than than they probably should be. You fit on it. They act like they've won multiple titles before. They've done nothing. Um, and minus Kawhi, none of these guys are really, like, super accomplished on their own. So it's it becomes a very fascinating plot line for next <laughs> season, even the off season, and what this team does because – is is Paul George good enough uh, to to win an NBA title as as uh, as your number two guy? I don't know. It doesn't seem that way. Um, and they gave away all the draft capital, so they don't really have many chess pieces to move except for moving him or Kawhi. Yeah, I was definitely holding on to some of those receipts. Um, the uh, the Clippers traded more first-round picks for Paul George, five, than he had field goals last night, four. I think that says it all about him. <laughs> um, you know, Ka- Kawhi played bad, and he deserves criticism for last night, but, I mean, he's he's been awesome throughout the playoffs. Like, he had one bad game, and obviously it's game seven, which doesn't help, but I don't, I don't think he, that tarnishes his legacy. He won a title last year carrying Toronto. He, you know was on the Spurs when they won a title, and he was the MVP. Like, he's he's accomplished. He doesn't need any uh, validation. But for these other guys, like you said, Pat Beverly, you know, Dame Lillard and McCollum were trolling him. You know, these guys who haven't, like you said, accomplished a ton on their own were so arrogant all year, and it's like they never played together. And that's why I always thought the Lakers had 
that was the Lakers' edge over them. They had that chemistry that, you know, obviously AD was new and some of those pieces were new, but they were playing every night together. LeBron was on the team last year with some of those guys. Like, I don't know, I just felt like the chemistry was always better on the Lakers and the Clippers. The Clippers just felt like they kind of had mercenaries and the Lou Will thing where he got suspended or had to quarantine with uh, the Atlanta incident. Like, yeah, that was funny, but that also just kind of showed that, like, they always just thought they were better than everyone and weren't taking it seriously. Like, they hadn't played in months, and now he had to quarantine 10 days when, you know, he did something. And those were games where he could have gotten ready into shape, and he's rusty throughout this whole playoff. So that kind of just showed their mindset throughout. And I was I – was, Looking forward to an all-LA Western Conference Finals, but this, like, humor of it is is very satisfying. I agree. It's worth it. Um, so that, that series gets started on Friday evening, and we had an unreal game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Back-and-forth game. Jimmy Butler just coming up big late. Bam Adebayo with an unreal block at the rim on Jason Tatum's dunk attempt where he's essentially, his wrist is starting to push the ball down, and Bam just pushes it out <laughs> of, of just the dunk to, to tie this one up in OT. So that's going to be a fun series. Real quick, any thoughts on that, or should we get into uh, week week two here? Yeah, it's just an awesome game one. The Celtics' possessions down the stretch were just terrible. They were just kind of like going one-on-one with Tatum trying to act like he's Harden, and that never works out. But, yeah, Ben's block was incredible. Like, outside of LeBron's block, it's probably the best block since LeBron in the finals, and it was with his left hand also. So it was a great game. The Heat are so fun to watch. They're so balanced and deep, so it'll be a good series. Um, but, yeah, let, let's get into uh, this week of games. Yeah, so let's kick off with with this 1 o'clock game here in Philly. The Eagles are hosting the Los Angeles Rams. This line is swung. Um, It it originally opened at Rams plus 3. They're now 1-point road favorites. The over-under is 45.5. And And this Eagles team has had a ton of success of late versus the Rams. They're 6-0 straight up against the spread. Their last six meetings, the Rams had the big win on Sunday Night Football over the Cowboys. The Eagles, uh, disappointing result, to say the least, against Washington. Um, Rams were a very good road team last year when it comes to covering. They're 6-2 and against the spread on the road. Goff, I thought his stats were uh, pretty average for week one, but if you watch the game, I thought he looked really good. He made a lot of great throws, um, and and they were able to protect him, and, and I think that's the biggest thing with Goff. If he can get some some time and and he's not under a ton of pressure, he's he's a good quarterback in this league. Tyler, which way are you going? I kind of I hate both of these teams. Oh, I I totally agree. I don't I don't like either of them. And I think in a normal season where the Eagles have you know the rabid fan base there, the Eagles are probably like the easy pick. You just imagine Goff gets rattled on the road, but I'm definitely torn. Um, Wentz was sacked on 16% of his dropbacks, and yeah, they had some injuries. Lane Johnson is expected to play this week, but. I mean, with Aaron Donald and a couple other guys on that defense, I, th- I think they're going to be able to get after Wentz. And part of the issue with the Eagles, yeah, they have offensive line injuries and issues there, but Wentz holds the ball too much, and he holds the ball too long and tries to make too many plays. After going up 17 nothing last week, on their next 11 drives, they had a total of 100 yards of offense. That's horrible. Um, I don't think this Washington defense is going to be the 85 Bears, so that that's a really bad sign. But to 
give a stat why the Eagles might be a nice play this week. Teams that lost week one as a favorite and then the following week are underdogs. They're 28, 16-2, um, 63% against the spread. So that's a reason to like the Eagles. Um, I'm going back and forth, so I'll kick it back to you, and then I'll listen to what you have to say, and maybe I'll decide. Yeah, I saw that same that same trend, very favorable towards the Eagles, um, and and definitely a profitable system over the long haul. Wentz's numbers after the first quarter last week are pretty remarkable. So he started the first quarter last week, nine of eleven, 123 yards through a touchdown. They got off to a quick start. Now, the second through fourth quarter, he went 15 of 31, 147 yards, one touchdown through two picks, was running for his life for a lot of the game. Now, as you said, they do get Lane Johnson back, but there's a guy named Aaron Donald on this Rams front line, and the guy is the most dominant defensive player in the game right now. Um, so I know I know there's that favorable trend that you mentioned for, for underdogs in this spot, uh, but bottom line is I think the Rams – this is more or less a pick 'em. Philly has no home field advantage. It's an early game. I'll say the only home field advantage they have is that it's an early game after the Rams played on Sunday Night Football. So take that for what you will. But I think Big like he gets this team ready to play. They were really disappointing last year. I thought they would be the worst team in that division. I still think they're somewhere between seven and nine to nine and seven on the year, but I'm very down on this the current state of this Philly team in terms of their injuries, things piling up. It just uh, they were they were just so miserable in the second half of that Washington game. And I like this stat for the uh, for the Rams here. Uh, that in their last seven East Coast games, they're six and one straight up and against the spread. So I also like you went back and forth on this one, but I'm. I'm taking the Rams as a short road favorite here at minus one. Uh, that's that's the angle I like. Yeah, that's definitely a good trend for the Rams at East Coast stat. Um, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm going to take the Eagles here. I don't like it. Probably not going to uh, say that's my lock of the week or anything. But I think they come in, you know, last week was a terrible, terrible loss, up 17 nothing versus one – Teams that's supposed to be one of the worst in the NFL. I think they come into this game maybe a little desperate that they need a win here. Um, Deshaun Jackson was, I think, complaining about his role last week, so he's supposed to play a little more, which I think will help stretch the defense. Miles Sand- what? What do you say? Don't care. Yeah, Miles Sanders is supposed to be back, so that's big. Uh, Boston Scott is a nice utility back, but I don't think he could be the every-down guy. So I'll take the Eagles getting some points at home. Doug Peterson is still a good coach. Um, maybe Wentz shows something. I, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't like either of these teams or this game, really, but I'll take the Eagles plus one and a half, and I'm sure five minutes into it I'll hate myself. Plus um, one. Yeah, plus one. Let's move on to the next game we want to hit on. Falcons at the Cowboys. Cowboys are minus four and a half. Over-under is high, 52 and a half. Um, the Falcons last week, the score will look a little closer than it was. It wasn't. They had some garbage time points in that one. Cowboys, as always, and, you know, that was your – you were very bullish on them coming the season. They, of course, disappoint on Sunday night. feels like that's just every year they do that. Um, what, are you, what are you leaning on in this game? It's funny. I just thought about this. Uh, on the Sunday scaries, I made made the joke 
crushed uh, about the Kevin Savansky basically having the one game uh, that he had to coach uh, and kind of in honor of Freddie Kitchens, that fake punt, just kind of questionable play calling. It felt like this the week one was a similar thing for Mike McCarthy in honor of Jason Garrett. He just had to lay a dud on Sunday night. He had to not take the easy three points late in the game that would have uh, changed everything. Uh, I I definitely like the Cowboys in this one. I think minus four and a half is, I feel like it should be closer to a touchdown, assuming so even if the Cowboys win, say, 23 to 20 last Sunday, I think you get three points of value here. Falcons are perennially one of these teams that we give a lot of credit. Um, they did end last year on a good note. Um, their offense is nice. They'd probably be a fun Madden team if I still played it. They have a lot of guys that you own in fantasy football, but I, they are not a good team under Dan Quinn. Um, they continue to, to not cover games and, and not win games. I I really like the Cowboys in this one, minus four and a half. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I like the Cowboys a lot in this game. The Falcons last week, I mean, they got torched by Russell Wilson. Uh, they gave up over 500 yards of offense. Um, and I think the Cowboys are going to come out a lot more aggressive and kind of try to mock what Seattle did last week. They Seattle threw the ball 60% on their first down plays. I think they're going to try to attack the secondary early. Uh, Pro Football Focus had it ranked as one of the worst coming into the year. So I think they're going to attack them early and try to get Dak going and I mean, those receivers, that should be, they should put up points, a lot of points in this game. Um, and one one stat I do like, I did a little deep digging into this. I don't know how I got into this uh, rabbit hole, but since Dak's been the quarterback of the Cowboys at in home games, I know there's no home field advantage, but they're at home. Dallas is, fans. Oh, that's true. Dallas is 21-6-5 straight up in the first quarter of those games, and out of those 21 quarters they've won, 20 of them were by a field goal or more, and the point spread in the first quarter probably won't be more than a point or so. So I like the Cowboys in the first quarter of this game. Again, I don't remember how I got That's into that deep. stat. Did, did you query that from your SQL database? Yeah, I, I had to pull in my model from a couple of different data nice. sources. Nice. Love a good um, join. So, so I like Dallas. First quarter of this game and four and a half. Uh, since Shanahan left the Falcons as offensive coordinator, Atlanta's a third worst team against the spread in the NFL, second worst on the road. Dan Quinn saved his job last year, only to probably get fired uh, midseason this year. So I'm with you there. I like the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. I think Seattle, a uh, historically kind of running heavy team, they they showed Dallas the roadmap if they want to put up points and, and get on this team early. So I think they, they follow a similar tune there. Um, going to the next game, the third game we want to talk about here, uh, we have the Baltimore Ravens visiting the Houston Texans. The Texans are seven-point home dogs. The over-under in this one's 51 and a half. Uh, Tyler, these two teams met last year. Baltimore absolutely annihilated them. They won 41 to seven. Um, and looking at the result of last week's games, Baltimore handily uh, took care of Cleveland. They won 38 six. Houston, first game of the season, uh, they got off to a nice little start versus Kansas City, but ultimately got uh, lost by two touchdowns, lost 34 to 20. At one point, they gave up. What was it? Yeah, 31 unanswered points. So I, this this Houston team scares me, um, and also I think their defense is is a little bit worse. 
for in uh, compared to years past. So just looking at this over underline, I've kind of figured it'd be somewhere around 54 and a half, maybe even creeping up to 55, 56. It's only 51 and a half. I I love the over. Yeah, I think the over is a good play. I feel like people think Houston's defense is still, you know, good or league average because they have J.J. Watt. It's not the same defense they had four or five years ago where they were one of the top ten. It's really not a good defense anymore. Patrick Mahomes, I know they played the Chiefs, but they're playing the Ravens, who are probably the second best team in the NFL. Mahomes tore them up and it didn't even seem like he was really going 100% in that game. And the final score of that game makes it look like they lost by two touchdowns, but after they scored in the first quarter, which was probably a scripted drive, they didn't do anything the rest of the game, essentially. They scored two touchdowns late in garbage time. Like you said, the Chiefs scored 31 straight. So I think the Ravens are going to kill them in this game. So I, I really like the Ravens minus seven. I love them in a teaser also if we could find mm, a second team to put in that. teaser tails. You know, the, you know the team that's set up for <laughs> yeah. the, the Niners. Yeah, they have some injuries uh, in the secondary. That doesn't make me feel great, but we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it offline. Um, but I, I just feel very dumb betting against the Ravens last week and liking the Browns. They destroyed them. I feel like the Ravens just kind of on a mission last year, disappointing end to the season, the playoffs. Um, I just think they're maybe the best well-rounded team, and the Chiefs just have Mahomes gives them the edge. Uh, Ravens are five and zero against the spread. Their last five. On the road, I'll, I'll give a positive Bill O'Brien stat. He's five and zero against the spread with ten days to prepare, which is shocking. So I feel like the more time he gets to prepare, Ooh. usually he does worse. But this doesn't matter. Um, there's no fans. Ravens in the dome. I feel like are going to put up a ton of points. Texans will be able to score a little bit, so I, I do like the over as well. But for the game, I like the Ravens. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was eyeing. I was eyeing this over as my lock of the week. It ultimately was the runner-up, but it was it was definitely in contention. I this Baltimore team is is putting up at least thirty-one this week, and I think Deshaun will pull pull his part. But uh, real quick, uh, pro Texan stat here: uh, Deshaun as an underdog in eighteen career starts, twelve and six against the spread. So it's not his fault. No, I mean anything we say bad about the Texans, it's in it's despite or. What am I trying to say? It's not because it of Deshaun. Everything is, everything around him is wrong. Just the way, how like how sad do you think he was watching the Forty Nine er Cardinal game last week? Just seeing DeAndre Hopkins tear it up like that. Yeah, about as sad as us that he got traded into the Forty Nine ers division. Definitely. Um, and Baltimore last week was number two in explosive plays on offense, which is plays of ten. Rushes of 10-plus yards, passes of 15 or more. So they're an explosive offense. I don't, I don't think uh, Texans, given the extra rest, are going to have any chance. Um, but let's move on to the Sunday night game. Really good game. Patriots at Seattle. Seattle's minus four. Over-under is 45. Seattle, Russell Wilson looked awesome last week. They finally let Russ cook, as the kids on the Twitter streets like to say. He was awesome. <laughs> Um, I gave this ad earlier about how the kids say that in Twitter streets a lot. Mm -hmm. The kids, the men, everyone. Um, In the first half, they had 12 first downs. He counted for nine of them, seven throwing, two rushing. They passed 38 times compared to only 20 runs. So I think they finally, Pete Carroll maybe has been reading some of the tweets directed his way and is letting Russell Wilson just kind of control this offense, which is good for them, bad for us as 49er fans because 
they're clearly their best when he's aggressive. Um, where are you leaning in this game, Cody? Yeah, this this is going to be a really interesting one because right, New England, they they did enough to get the job done versus Miami. There's some weird plays. They fumbled one out of the end zone when they're about to punch it in. So I think that score was a little misleading. Could have been a little bit bigger of a margin of victory there. Um, and then we get the Super Bowl matchup rematch here. But I. I like New England in this one. There's just something about Belichick in these games where he's counted out. They've won eight out of their last nine games outright when they're an underdog. Um, I think they're going to, seeing what happened in Atlanta last week, they're going to try and limit the number of possessions that Russell Wilson and this alt- offense ultimately get. I think their receiving options are average to below average. So it's going to be a run-heavy team. We saw they ran Cam 15 times last week. Overall, they ran the ball 42 times for 217 yards. Cam was actually their leading rusher at 75. I think he's on a one-year contract. They're going to continue to run him quite a bit here until he either his body lets out or the opposing team figures it out. Um, so I like the Pats in this spot, 38-12 and 12 in the last 50 night games. Um, they, they, they rise to the occasion in these spots. Um, Seattle, the game is at home, but we know it's not going to be the same without that full 12-man uh, effect. And even the Seattle team, Sneaky, has been a better road team than people don't realize. Uh, they've been 2-7 and seven against the spread their last nine road games, that being the Seahawks. So I like New England. I think Belichick will, have, will do enough to slow down Russell Wilson. And I kind of see this one as like, I don't know, I, I'd be interested even in sprinkling a little on New England money line. Uh, just looking at what that is, plus 175. I like that a little bit. Or I see Seattle winning like a 20-17 to 17 game. So I'm, I'm taking the Pats here. What about you? Yeah, it feels like these teams have switched bodies. I mentioned Seattle, how many times they passed to run last week. Patriots last week ran the ball 42 times, only through 21. So pretty pretty crazy given how the Patriots have been over the last you know 20 years or so with Brady. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think I do lean Seattle a little more. I just don't think the Patriots are going to be able – they'll be able to maybe control the clock with the run game, but if you're Seattle, you just watch what they did last week, and I think you kind of know the recipe. They've – Yes, they don't play the Patriots a lot, but they've played Cam Newton a lot. I feel like Seattle and the Panthers the last like five years have played every year a couple times in the playoffs also. So I think they know how to guard or defend against Cam. Make the Patriots receivers beat you. I mean, Edelman, you know, he's older. He's not who he used to be. No one else on that team scares you. I think that's the recipe to beating the Patriots. Make those receivers beat you in coverage. That's why Seattle also brought in Jamal Adams in the secondary. So... I like Seattle, minus four. I think it'll be really interesting to see what it's like, this, how Seattle plays at home without that crowd. You didn't mention, you know, they've been a better road team um, the last couple of years than at home, but it'll be weird to see, like, a primetime Seattle game without that 12th man just going crazy. Mm-hmm, definitely, definitely. So we'll we'll see what happens. Hopefully for 49ers' sake, New England does a good job, but I think that's that's going to be a great Sunday night game we have coming up here plus we have the the US Open this weekend as well. So stacked weekend NBA playoffs continue. Um but let's kick it to this interview with Bram um and we'll be back on Sunday with another edition of the Sunday Scaries. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. 
I'm personally excited to watch football at home with friends this year. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid only through September 30th. Okay, and Tyler and I are very excited to welcome on the Full Slate Airways, Bram Weinstein, founder of Empire Media and the voice of the Washington professional football team. Bram, how are you doing tonight? Good, guys. How are you? Good, good. We are excited to have you. So, Bram, you basically started at ESPN. Remember seeing you on Sports Center back in the day, which I mean, I imagine as kind of a kid growing up, that's a lot of people's dream job to to be on the big set as the anchor. How'd you wind up there? Actually, I've got my dream job now. That I was never really, I was never really focused on going to ESPN. It just the opportunity came up and. Um, I couldn't turn it down. Obviously, I wanted to go for the experience, but I had been on radio and television locally in Washington, D.C. for, oh, 10 years before I really fell on their radar. And really, it had a lot to do with um, the Washington football team, because at the time when I was covering them, initially, when I started working in the D.C. area after I moved back after my first job, um, I was covering the team. I was part of the broadcast team. And that was very early in Dan Snyder's ownership, and they were like a national story. They were like signing all these like crazy free agents, and then it wouldn't go very well, but they were just kind of a really big national story. So I was on ESPN all the time as a guest, radio, television, all that stuff. And then eventually um, they asked me up for an interview, and uh, next thing you know, I got hired, and next thing you know, I'm anchoring SportsCenter. <laughs> it was pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, so what's that transition been like going from ESPN, you know, the gold standard in sports media for all these years, to starting your own media company and kind of leading it from that angle? What is What has that been like? So, like, I would, you know, everything I know about television for sure came there. Like, they're, they, like, I've been out of there now for five years, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't realize um, how incredible the experience was to be there. Like, they... The amount of content they produce every day, the quality of it being what it is, it really is truly astounding. Um, and the more I've been around other um, operations and local and regional operations, it's amazing how much content they put together. So really, you know, it was an incredible, not only just professional experience, but educational experience. And I think some of those standards and practices of trying to run my own company came from being around their executives and seeing what worked, how it worked, what matters, what doesn't matter as much, how content should be put together, what people really want, like what fans really want. And, you know, this has been a new experience for me. I've owned Empire for, it'll be going on two years now. And then 
thanks to a pandemic and most of the shows I do are in sports, you know, it's been a very tricky year, you know, to grow. Um, but we're up to like 10 shows now and things are really moving in the right direction and all the content providers, like, I think because I have the experience of being a talent, um, I understand, you know, what it takes to put this stuff together and I, and hopefully, you know, we're kind of toggling between building a business and understanding the side of what it takes to actually make something that's worthwhile. That's awesome. Before we uh, transition and kind of get into the Washington football team this year and their upcoming matchup versus Cardinals, I want to ask you if you had, like, when you were at ESPN on, on set, did you have, like, a kind of a moment where you had to pinch yourself or maybe you met uh, a superstar athlete or another ESPN personality that you'd grown up kind of watching or idolizing, and then next thing you know, you're either their colleague or you're the one actually interviewing them. Uh, is there anything you could uh, tell us there? A million of them. I mean, like, that, that was every day there. Like, um, sitting on the set with Stuart Scott, sitting on the set with Scott Van Pelt, you know, Tana Storm, Steve Levy, Josh Elliott, like, on and on. And I'm missing people, obviously. John Anderson, you know, like, on and on and on. Um, I got to do, I don't know, so I can't remember the number, but a handful of This Is Sports Center commercials. Um, if you recall, like, a few years back, Katy Perry performed at the Super Bowl. She had two sharks, and the two sharks – uh, didn't work, couldn't keep up with like the beat and they were like offbeat. It became this whole like big internet thing that like the sharks couldn't dance. Right. Mm-hmm. The, like a week later, we decided to do a quick turnaround. This is sports center commercial. And I was in one of those shark suits and we were, me and John Anderson were pretending we were the sharks that day and wondering what the big deal was that everybody, we thought we did really well. Like that was like the joke, like at the Super Bowl. like there are so many of those. And then you just walk down the hall and there's Arnold Palmer, you know, or like, or you walk up this way, you're like, oh, look, it's Magic Johnson. Like, that that was every day there. And you ended up getting used to it. It was like this bizarre universe where it was all of these famous people, and it became totally commonplace to, like, run into them and see them. And then, you know, listen, professionally, like, I watched ESPN, and it was crazy to sit there and, you know, fill in for Keith Olbermann and sit next to Scott Van Pelt. Like, that stuff's weird, you know? Like, at some point, like, it's beyond pitch yourself. You're like, what is going on here? It's like an alternate universe, really. Yeah, I have a quick follow-up question for you, Bram, since this is a sports gambling podcast. If you had to choose one sports center anchor to spend an NFL Sunday with at a sports book in Vegas, pre-COVID, it's packed, it's a ton of fun, who are you choosing? Well, I'll tell you this much. Like, if you want someone who knows what they're doing, um, the the person is Chris Felica, who might as well be who's the bear on college game day. He might as well be a professional gambler. Like, he, like, really, really, really knows what he's doing. So um, I would do that with him. But as far as the anchors go, ooh, um, boy, that's a th- you want somebody who, like, knows what they're talking about or you want just someone you like hanging out with? It's up to you. It's kind of all the above, right? Um, oh, man, that is tough. Oh, God. I mean, Levy was a really cool dude. I used to love hanging out with him. He was a really, really, really great guy. Um Ooh, that's hard. That's really hard. I, I'm punting on that. I don't know. There, are, I, like, I really had a lot of like great relationships with a lot of people there. But as far as the gamblers, gamblers go, Felica was the one who knew what he was talking about. Like, in, like b- before, like it became popular to talk about gambling on ESPN. That dude was like full on knew what he was doing. 
Yeah, I, I respect, you know, punting on the answer. You don't want to offend anyone also by leaving them out. So I could uh, respect that. And we were talking earlier about, you know, transitioning from ESPN to your own media company, going to football. You know, you mentioned, you know, working with the Washington football team. What's the transition been like just for the franchise changing from the previous name to this year? And how many times do you feel like you've messed that up already and will continue to do so? I have a jar. Every time I say the R word, I put 20 bucks in it. And then uh, at the end of the year, whatever that number is, will go to some charity of, of unknown choice at this point. Um, I've been saying that name since I was a kid. So 40 plus years of it. So it's hard to get rid of it. It's hard to shake it. Um, it's been a really crazy year. I mean, the brand name change. I mean, everything about it is, is strange. You know, like a lot's happened in the organization. I've been installed in the position that I'm in calling the games. Um, you can go Google why, you know, that position was open. It's not a pretty site, you know, what was going on with the organization. Um, so, you know, I feel very fortunate to come in at this time. It's, everything is very new. You know, they're rebranded, new look, new name coming, we think. Um, new coach, the quarterback might as well be a rookie again. Like, there's, they've got a phenom player who might be a defensive player of the year candidate in the very near future. Like, there's a lot of new stuff going on and I'm, I'm just I'm really happy to be part of it because I'm a bridge to the past like when I was a kid they were the Patriots like they went to four Super Bowls and won three of them with three different quarterbacks none of them are in the Super Bowl I mean think about that for a second I mean the Hall of Fame like think about that for a second like that was a crazy run that they had you know through the years with Joe Gibbs so I grew up in a golden era here so I have a profound deep affection for this franchise so it's been really cool to, to have the job I have. It's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it's, it's been awesome. That is awesome, just to hear that kind of growing up, your favorite football team, and then next thing you know, you're you're calling the game. So realistically, Bram, going into the season, what were your expectations for this team, and how much have they moved after last Sunday's impressive comeback victory? Were they really... I mean, uh, we, we spoke about it. I had, I had the Eagles in the teaser. I felt fairly confident about it, and the the Redskins absolutely stomped on them as soon as they they That's got twenty down. bucks in the jar for saying it by the way. Oh oh my God! You're right. Thank you. Thank you, Washington Football Team. I apologize. Uh, let's see. I th- I thought going in five hundred would be a great outcome for them this year. If they got the five hundred, that'd be a great outcome. Um, after the game against Philadelphia, my thoughts haven't really changed about that. I still think five hundred would be a great outcome for them. Um, Look, like, that was a great comeback, great win. Um, Here's who didn't play for the Eagles. Two of their starting defensive linemen, three of their starting offensive linemen, their starting running back, and, like, their starting best wide receiver. Like, you couldn't – that a week nine injury report, not week one. So they really caught them at the right time. And, look, the, the Washington defensive line was as good as advertised. They also were playing, like, Jason Peters is not supposed to be playing tackle for them anymore. He is. He's doing it out of an emergency. The right guard is a nobody. The right tackle was a rookie fourth-round pick out of Auburn, and then he got hurt, and they were down to some practice squad guy playing tackle for them. Carson Wentz had no chance. You know, once once they started to tee off on them, he had no chance. Those are five first-round picks on the Washington defensive line. They had to eat something like that, and they did. And the comeback was amazing and all that, but, like, it – 
and I'm glad they did it, and I'm glad they won and all of that stuff. But, like, I'm not jumping too far ahead because it looks on paper like, wow, they beat this really good team. They beat a really good team who was missing, like, five critical parts of their team in week one. And that's and that, I think that needs to be taken into account here. And we'll see against Arizona, who's the same thing. Like, they're coming off a game where people are going, I'm going to, you know, ch- ch- recalibrate what I think about them because they went to San Francisco and won. This has turned into a really good litmus test early, I think, for both of these teams this weekend. Yeah, it's it's been such a weird year, and the NFC East especially is so weird every year. You know, different division champ, I think, the last 15 years. So who who knows? It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Washington somehow surprised us just given everything going on. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if 9-7 and seven wins their division. So, you know, and if that's the case, then, like, and it's all up for grabs. The only one I don't think they can get there is the Giants. They're the only one I don't think they can get to a record like that. Yeah, every every year it seems like there's always a debate, will the NFC East champ even be over 500? Um, but, you know, with Ron Rivera, that story with his health, he's getting an IV at halftime. It's just, it's kind of insane. And what was it like calling the game in an empty stadium? What was what was that atmosphere like? That was really weird. I mean, that was, that was so bizarre. Like, there's a lot of, like, you know... Um, you know, ways that, you know, you kind of picture this stuff happening, you know, and, and like growing up, like I always thought about this job and wanted to do it. I never pictured it that way. I mean, it was really, it was really strange. I really think the league, the team, whoever was part of like whatever they were pumping into the stadium, did a really nice job with, with what I felt like at least the ambient noise felt appropriate. So that part made it a little less awkward. But every time you look up, you just see nobody out there. It's just it's such a stark reminder of what's going on. Um, and, Really, we were just fortunate to have that game. I mean, if you just kind of look around the building, you're just like, I was just really more anything. I was just thankful that these guys were willing to do this, that the league put in place protocols that have worked so far, and that we actually had this sport. Like, it very easily, they could have just gone, we can't do this. And um, I I wouldn't have blamed them, honestly. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine for you it's, I mean, definitely a weird experience being there calling it versus the at-home viewing experience, which compared to, say, baseball, where it's impossible to not you, – you track the flight of the ball and you immediately see either, A, the empty stands, or B, the cutouts. Uh, basketball is kind of the opposite side of the coin in the bubble. They've done an incredible job. It's really focused on the court. And football largely, through week one at least, ha- has mirrored that, where it feels – uh, the the red zone the 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 experience from your couch you largely the camera's just on the field which yeah. I think I think it it almost uh, it makes it a little bit easier than than what you're doing from the booth right where you have to feel like I guess you almost have to bring the energy yourself yeah I mean it was the first time I was calling a game I've been thinking about this since I was a child it was not hard to get into it trust me mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it was not hard and you got seventeen nothing to a division rival and you come back and win. Um, I I'll, I can't ask for anything more than than that in the debut for sure. Yeah, have have you uh, have you had the chance to meet Alex Smith? So Tyler and I are diehard 49ers fans. We've uh, we we stood next to Alex through all the tough times. We probably irrationally uh, defend him on this podcast and on the internet generally. I mean the the ESPN piece they put out about his comeback story is incredible. I was wondering if you've had a chance to kind of interview him uh, since he's been back. I have not talked to him since he's um, uh, since he's come back from the injury. We, the protocols this year, you have just very little access to the team. Like so, we haven't been able to do that. But I've talked to him in the past, and the story's unbelievable. I mean, you know, I don't think he's going to play, by the way, and, and not because he can't, but because I don't think Washington wants him to. 
So I, I don't think he's going to play. Uh, but the story's unbelievable. And I'm relatively convinced now that, like, after they release him next year, because they will, um, you know, he might get a shot somewhere. And he might be playing again next year. I don't know why he wants to do that, but, I, you know, it's possible. Yeah, I don't know why either, but you gotta you got to respect the, the comeback at this point. Go ahead, Ty. Yeah, so let's let's get into this week's game for Washington. Um, as you mentioned, Bram, they're playing the Cardinals in Arizona. Cardinals getting, you know, a lot of hype, as they should, beating the 49ers last week. Cardinals are seven-point favorites. Over-under is 47-and-a-half. Bram, I'll let you kind of go first. How how you think this game's uh, shaping out? Uh, I mean, if I were to guess right now, I'd probably go the under. Um, I think... Um, Arizona's strength is their secondary, and Washington's strength is not their wide receivers. So I'm expecting Washington to run the ball a lot. Um, they have a weakness on their offensive line, but I'm not impressed by Arizona's front. So I think, one, you want to keep Kyler Murray, Murray off the field. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. I think they're going to try to be methodical. And they ran the ball a lot against Philadelphia, too. I was surprised they ran it more than I thought they would. So a lot of short passes are running game. I think they're going to try to run clock. Um, and when it comes to Murray, I'm not overly impressed necessarily with their line. Murray is unbelievable, though, with his feet. I mean, he just he, – he reminds me a little bit of Michael Vick. Um, he's so fast and quick, really. Um, but what I noticed in watching them in week one was when he extends a play, he doesn't do it with his arm. He just takes off. So they're looking for a quick read and then him taking off if he doesn't see it. Um, the Washington pass rush is as formidable as San Francisco's is with the group that they have. So, I mean, this whole thing hinges on does Murray break a bunch of plays with his legs. If he does, Arizona probably wins. And if he doesn't, I actually think an upset is really not out of the question here. Like, I, I, I don't think either one of these teams, after watching them in week one, you should sit there and get really bullish and think, oh, my God, they're, like, they're going to be a lot better than people thought they were. Um, but – I look at both of them and I go, on a good day, when the right things are happening, they can pull off upsets. And I, I don't know. I, if Murray has hero moments like he did against the Niners, they win. If, they, if he doesn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. It's a low-scoring game. I would probably take the points with Washington and probably feel pretty comfortable that there's an under coming here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the play here for what I'm going to – take is probably Washington plus seven I think that's just too many points for this Cardinals team and you touched on it the Cardinals best offense last week was unscripted plays you know you know they're not designing Kyler to drop back scramble around 10 yards avoiding a sack and then taking off for 20 he's great at it but this Washington front is legit like you said it's similar to how the 49ers were built with a lot of first round second round picks on that defensive line Um, some trends for you Washington is 6-3 and three against the spread, their last nine as a road dog. 9-4 and four their last 13 games when underdogs have a touchdown or more. Um, and they had the third most pressures last week. So I think they'll be able to get pressure on Kyler. Biggest thing is keeping him contained in the pocket, unlike what the 49ers did. I like Washington to keep it close. I think they have some weird magic brewing with Ron Rivera this year, um, Alex Smith story, all that. So I like taking the points of yeah. uh, Washington. What what. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy to take that money line, frankly. I, I don't. I, I think Ooh. you'll get some really good – you'll get a really juicy number with that money line. I think it's worth the risk with them. I think this game's close. You know, yeah. Murray makes a couple plays like he did against the Niners. Arizona probably wins. If he doesn't, you got a close game that can go either way. 
Yeah, looking at it now, our uh, partner on the show, Bet Online, they're plus two forty-five uh, Washington on on the money line. Um, so I think this might make for a good podcast because I, I disagree with you guys, uh, both of you. I'll, I'll kind of lay out my case here. So to start, this is uh, some historical numbers since two thousand six. Uh, teams that won straight up as dogs of six or more in week one are eight, two, and two against the spread in week two. So that bodes positively for this Arizona team since they were about seven, eight point dogs versus the Niners uh, last week. Guess I who gr- else was a six point dog last week? The 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 skins. I think they. I think. The, oh, sorry, oh, the Washington football bucks. team. I'm down forty bucks. This is this is mounting up. Like they can't something. both win, Cody. But your yeah. stat does fit for both of them. I so I think I think this the I I pulled this stat from Action Network. I think they had it at five and a half, uh, which which is which is what was going on there. Um, but good points. Um, so here's my case though. I think this Arizona defense is is better than than we expected going into the season. They held the Forty ers last week uh, to two for 11 on third down. Yes, George Kittle is banged up. Yes, Debo is out. Um, and kind of things were off kilter for week one. But I really like what they did in the draft and bringing in Isaiah Simmons. I think that guy's a beast. They have Chandler Jones there who under feels like he's just underrated. He had 19 sacks last year. In the last two, two years, only two guys have had more sacks in the NFL, Khalil Mack and Bob Miller. So Chandler Jones is a real threat up front, um, and, and they bring in DeAndre Hopkins, who, I mean, uh, he he's going to be a target machine, it seems like, for them. Uh, he had 14 receptions, 151 yards in the first week. The The thing that makes me nervous about this Washington team, I'm not sure. I, th- I think I think that Arizona is going to be able to move the ball. I, I do like their, their ability to, even if the pressure comes, which which I think we can all expect it to, I like their, their kind of quick pass game between Hopkins, guys like Christian Kirk, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, um, and even Kenyon Drake out of the backfield. I think they have a lot of things that they can throw at Washington to try and uh, basically quell quell the pressure there. So I'm taking Arizona minus seven. Um, I'm, I'm going with I'm going with my trend. I'm saying Washington was a, was a five and a half point dog last week, so that one will make will make a square peg fit in a round hole there. Um, but I I like Arizona, but I agree. I think I think the under is the play here. Forty seven and a half is probably about three to four points higher than than I would expect this line to be. Yeah, and I think for our perspective, Bram and myself, if we're taking Washington and they're going to cover, this is going to be a lower scoring game. I don't think they're capable of getting into a shootout with Arizona. And if Arizona is the team that people thought they were going into the year, especially now that they won last week versus the 49ers, they should win like handily, I think, and cover. But again, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so we want to move on to our lock of the week segment. Uh, Bram, since you, you are the guest, we'll let, we'll let you give out uh, yours first. Got your team, man. Niners blow out the Jets. Badly. I hope so. Forty-one to seven, some kind of like ridiculous outcome. They're, the Jets are going to fire Adam Gase sooner rather than later. They're done before this thing started. The Niners will not start zero and two. You guys watched them last week. There was no reason for them to lose that game to Arizona. No reason whatsoever. Um, they are a far superior team. They will not start zero and two, and that score is going to be ugly, like ugly, ugly. Niners win big. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll give them 20. They'll give them, they're going to win big this weekend. We we love your confidence, Bram. We uh on our Sunday Scaries podcast that we put out, Tyler said he thinks the Jets are the worst team in the NFL, and I uh, kindly reminded him that you know they're playing the 49ers this week, so let's not not try and put any kind of reverse jinx on them. But absolutely agree. I think Adam Gase feels like the the favorite in the clubhouse to be the first guy fired this year. Um, uh, just nothing positive you read has come out of this Jets team. Le'Veon's already banged up. Our guy Frank Gore is is about to start um, at running back for them. So you're not going to have to twist our arm to say we, we like this pick and, and feel good about it. Um, my lock of the week. So, Bram, even as, as further background for you, so last week to start, I, I like the Raiders. Tyler took the Panthers. First time in the history of the show, we're on year three of football season here, that we were on opposite sides of the coin for a lock of the week. Obviously, we know how that one ended. Uh, so I'll I'll give out mine. Uh, I'm going with the Cowboys this week. Minus four and a half at home versus the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they killed me on Sunday Night Football. They were the last leg of a, of a four fourteen parlay for me. And uh, in classic Cowboy fashion, they they came up short on Sunday Night Football. Um, but a couple reasons I like them here. Um, so. This Falcons team, they they just just got the defense got destroyed uh, versus Seattle. Russell Wilson did anything he wanted to against them. Threw for 322 yards, four touchdowns. Coming into the year, Pro Football Focus had Atlanta's secondary as the 30th ranked secondary in the league. With the Cowboys' weapons between Cooper, Ceedee Lamb, Gallup, I, I anticipate them opening things up a bit. It was a very conservative uh, play calling, I thought. I think Kel Moore got criticized, and, and rightly so. I think they're going to take some shots downfield. I think they're going to have success. Um, and Mike McCarthy, as as a home favorite throughout the course of his NFL career, he's has a 61% cover percentage, which is another nice tidbit. This Cowboys team, I mean, I was very bullish on their wins over coming into the year, myself and every other square. But uh, they can't they can't lose this game at home to the Falcons, a team they have to beat. And Tyler, I think you're going to like this one. So your boy Dan Quinn out in Atlanta. So excluding 2016 when Kyle Shanahan was their offensive coordinator, if you had faded this Falcons team every game he's been their head coach, uh, you'd be up about probably 12, 13 units. You'd go 39 and 26 against the spread. Um, I think Dallas gets right in the spot. I think you get some value given the fact that they laid a bit of an egg on Sunday night. So give me the Cowboys here, minus four and a half. Yeah, both of you guys hitting on two NFC teams that desperately do need a win this week and cannot afford to start 0-2 given expectations. Um, Yeah, and I would love a head-to-head prop. Who's the first coach fired, Dan Quinn or Adam Gase? I think Gase is the favorite there, but I think there might be some good value in Quinn just given somehow there's still expectations for that team given, you know, what we've seen from them the last couple of years. Uh, for my lock of the week, I'm going back to the well. As Cody mentioned last week, I had the Panthers um, plus three at home. I'm taking the over in this ga- their game this weekend versus the Bucs. It's 47.5, which I think is actually a little low. I'm surprised this isn't in the 50s. Um, I watched that Carolina game. They don't play any defense. They're going to be a fun team to watch this year because Bridgewater and that offense can score, but they don't play any defense. They had the least amount of pressures in the NFL last week. Small sample size, but I don't think that's changing. They had the second most missed tackles 
The Raiders scored on two-thirds of their possessions, which was uh, second-best in the NFL. Panthers scored on 60% of their possessions last week, which was the fourth-best. So I think they're going to be able to put up points. The Bucks, like I said, they're another team that needs a win after the way they started. And if Tom Brady's really washed, he's going to struggle in this game, but I don't think that's the case. I think this is the perfect defense for him to get in sync versus uh, Mike Evans, fully healthy this week. Chris Godwin might not play with a concussion, but... Evan should be back to 100%. Um, another stat on the Panthers' defense, the Raiders converted 55% of their third downs, which is the best uh, in the NFL last week. They scored on five straight possessions. So I think this Panthers' defense is terrible. Brady's going to torch them. Teddy Bridgewater is going to be able to score some points. I think it's a shootout. So I, I love the over in this game at 47.5. I've actually already placed it, given you know people listen to this podcast and might get raised a little bit. <laughs> so I, I love the over in that game. What do you guys think? Yeah, Bram. Thoughts on thoughts on our two picks, fade or follow? Yeah, hey, I think Dallas is going to win. I, I I have a hard time buying them losing at home, and I like the over with Carolina. I mean, we'll see. I, like, I don't know what to expect from them, frankly. You know, like new coach, college coach. Clearly, like McCaffrey's awesome, and and maybe Bridgewater can can carry them, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm almost on a wait and see with them. Um, so I hope you're right. <laughs> Thanks. We, we we appreciate the support. I I like that also, Tyler. From what uh, what I saw in in uh, their defense versus the Raiders, the Raiders were were carving them up, and Raiders have like a nice offense. It's it's in the middle of the pack, but uh, they were looking like the early like two thousands Rich Gannon led Oakland Raiders. So I I like that pick. Uh, but Bram, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we we really appreciate it. You're a busy guy. So where can our listeners uh, follow you? Say on Twitter and kind of keep up with with everything you have going on uh real brand w um b-r-a-m i don't um i don't post a ton i'm a lurker there <laughs> but uh i get eight million things going on every once in a while i'll post something and then you know i'll give you some inside access with the washington football team if you're a fan of them so awesome thanks bram all right guys see ya the wait is finally over football is back you might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 